Hey, everybody. Welcome to You Were Born for This podcast with Father John Ricardo, Acts 29. That's me. I'm Father John. And as always, I'm here with Nick and Mary, my co-hosts. We talk about anything and everything having to do with transforming parishes. And Nick, we got a, a, a again, we hope a very timely, practical topic, especially for pastors. What is it? Today's podcast episode is geared towards pastors. I mean, they always are, but in a particular way today. And we want asking them to really be attentive to the people the Holy Spirit has put on their minds and hearts during this time. Right. We think this is so important, right? And so we're going to cover five points. Those points are going to be uh, first looking at the readings during this Easter season and how they're speaking to us right now. The second thing we want to cover is just a point about our name, Acts 29. You know, the book of Acts ends in chapter 28. Just a quick point about the name Acts 29. Then we want to talk about two practical examples of what we're talking about played out in real life, if you will. And then our fourth point today is it's always about people. So we have something that you should be looking for in yourself as a pastor and then in the people around you. And then the fifth point is just why this podcast is entitled What It Is. So Father John, as always, please bring us into prayer. Awesome. Thanks, Father. We got a roadmap for where we're going to go. Uh, so let's ask the Holy Spirit to bless and uh, animate our conversation and uh, your ears as you hear what the Lord wants to say through us. So in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Lord, we just surrender this time to you. Uh, we ask for your anointing upon it, that you would uh, guide and animate our conversation, that in a very particular way, it would be of great benefit, edifying, practical, inspiring for uh, all those who listen, but most especially for our brothers who are serving as pastors right now, uh, and that you would give them ears to hear those things that you wish to say to them and to fill them with encouragement and hope in the midst of all that we're living through. And we ask all these things in the name of Jesus, who is your Son and our Lord forever and ever. Amen. 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 Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Yeah, so Padre, we're, we're in Easter. Acts of the Apostles, we're just soaking in what's happening. T t open this up for us. What's going on? Yeah, so, you know, it, it hit me the other day as I was praying. There's just a couple of things that we're, we've been reading about in these weeks in Easter, which seem to translate nicely into the time that we're living in. So I just want to take a, a, like a really quick look at a couple of significant events that take place between, say, the end of Acts chapter 7 uh, and the early part of Acts chapter 11. And, and the end of is uh, the stoning of Stephen. So the, the, the point immediately here is there's a calamitous event that takes place at, at the outset of the church. So Stephen, one of the seven deacons, a man filled with the Holy Spirit, a great preacher, is stoned to death. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have ever seen it, but well, of course you've never seen anybody get stoned to death. This is a horrific, traumatic event. And it's the one who's responsible for it, or at least in part responsible for it, is this young zealot named Saul, who then goes on in um, the ending of, uh, or the beginning of chapter 9, to be revealed as this extraordinarily fierce persecutor of the church. He's gathering up letters from the high priest. He's arresting men and women, dragging them out of their homes, and hauling them off to prison looking to do with them what it is that he did with Stephen, because he sees Christianity as um, idolatrous and a threat to God's plan for Israel. So the result of the stoning of Stephen 
is that uh, the church disperses. It, it gets scattered, right? So we heard this, uh, one of the readings from Acts chapter 11, uh, just uh, uh, recently, where it says, those who had been scattered by the persecution that arose because of Stephen, they went as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to no one but Jews. But there were some Cypriots and Cyrenians among them, however, who came to Antioch and began to speak to the Greeks as well, proclaiming the Lord Jesus. And, and news about this fact that, wait a minute, now the, the church went from just in Jerusalem, then this calamitous event happens, suddenly the church begins to spread. It spreads because of the calamitous event. The one who's responsible for the calamitous event is a guy named Saul, who in between you know, the stoning of Stephen and this passage here in Acts 11, oh, by the way, just happens to encounter the risen Jesus. <laughs> and the light goes on, right? Or scales from, from his eyes. And he encounters Jesus. He is stunned to realize that God has indeed been faithful to all the promises that he's made to the people of Israel. But in a most unusual way, it's in fact in this person, Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified and has risen, all the promises of God hold true. Paul then begins to preach almost immediately, right? In the very city that he was going to arrest Christians. And then they have to get him out of there because he's uh, creating an uproar. And so he, he's lowered in a basket through a wall. He's brought to Jerusalem. And what happens in Jerusalem? This is in Acts 9, starting in verse 26. In Jerusalem, they bring him to the apostles and the apostles are like, uh, no. <laughs> we don't want to see that guy. We don't want to talk to him. We don't think he's legit. We don't believe him. And then who intervenes? This guy named Barnabas, mm. who's already been identified earlier in the Acts of the Apostles and as, as a man filled with wisdom, encouragement, um, man of prayer. He vouches for Saul, now named Paul. Um, he preaches in Jerusalem. And then it ends in verse 30 here in chapter 9. But the, the outcry against Paul and his preaching becomes to become, Paul's got a little way of annoying people, it seems like, right? So the people are stirred. They try to kill him. And so verse 30 says, when the brethren knew it, they brought him down to Caesarea and they sent him off to Tarsus. Like, get this guy out of here. Get him out of the plan, out of the picture. We'll take care of things. That's the last we hear of Saul. Then all of a sudden, we get this passage again in Acts 11 that we alluded to earlier, where because of the persecution of Stephen, which was caused by Saul, right? Mm. Uh, who's, or his death is caused by Saul, at least in part. The gospel spread. Greeks begin to hear it. The church in Jerusalem sends Barnabas down to Antioch, where this is happening. Barnabas goes and then Barnabas sees what's happening, and it says he went to Tarsus to look for Saul. <laughs> and he goes and gets Saul, and he brings him to Antioch, and it's at Antioch that the Christians are first called that, Christians, that the disciples are first called Christians. Now, why is that so, so key? Do you know how many years take place between uh, Acts chapter 9 and Acts chapter... Or, or, or between, yeah, between 
uh, Paul, Saul in Jerusalem here, this is in the same passage, huh? Uh, Acts 9, verse 26, where Saul's in Jerusalem, and then Acts 11, verse 25, when Barnabas goes to look for Tarsus. It's just like, you know, a chapter and a half. It's 10 years. Wow. 10 years. At least that's what people like N.T. Wright think. Roughly 36 to 46. Now, why is that so key? What's the point here for us? Here's a guy named Barnabas who knew Saul. He encountered Saul. He sees what the Holy Spirit's doing in him. Saul's a bit of a wild man. I don't want to overstate that. Saul is one of, the, one of the 10 most significant people who's ever lived, right? This is a man filled with energy, filled with passion, filled with zeal. As again, I think N.T. Wright says, this is a guy you want on your side and you don't want to be on the other side. He, he provokes people like crazy. And yet he's also able to write something like 1 Corinthians 13 and that wonderful hymn of love. But Barnabas encounters him, knows him, experiences him, sends him off to Tarsus, and then 10 years later, something in Barnabas, when he sees what's happening in Antioch, what's the something? It's the spirit, moves him to say, wait a minute, I know a guy who I met who is exactly what we need right now. So, Our theme, as Nick laid it out so wonderfully, is just encouraging guys to be particularly attentive right now to the people that the Holy Spirit is bringing to your mind as we live in this time, what also seems to be um, a catastrophe, uh, the end of business as usual, when everybody is having to adapt. But again, as we've said a number of occasions, right? God is at least allowing this, and God is moving in the details of all this. And we would suggest that even as the Holy Spirit inspired Barnabas to look back on his mind and go, Saul, I got to go get him. So too, be attentive right now to what the Holy Spirit might be saying to you, people he might be bringing up in your mind. We'll say a little bit more about that in a moment. But does that make sense with you guys? Quick, condensed look at these rich chapters in Acts. Yeah, it does, Denny. I'm reminded of the reality that God writes with crooked lines. Mm -hmm. And so, like, his ways are not our ways. And so what seemingly looks like a disaster and a tragedy, God is able to use for good, right? Um, I'm just thinking about had a set of things not happened, we wouldn't know that Antioch was the first place that people were identified as Christians. And so God is in the details and, and, and the same spirit that was active in these stories is active in our lives right now. It's, he's, he's still writing history through you and me and all of us. And it's just really important to be attentive to the author of, of history. Right. Yeah, I've just drawn into that notion of being scattered, right? I mean, the church mm-hmm. is being scattered. And the Holy Spirit's bringing forth new leadership, right? They're bringing forth a new figure, new people, if you will, to help usher in this next, this next chapter, this next phase, this next 
you know, thing. And so in the same way, we've kind of been scattered in some sense, maybe not because of persecution right now in the, in the way we're looking at it next, but we've been scattered from COVID. Nothing's normal. Everything's out of whack. And there's, there's, there's right now there's no exact end in sight. And so like what you're, like you're saying, Father John, be attentive. Who, who, who might be the, if you're if you thinking about you, the pastor, you might be Barnabas in this story, right? Who's the, who are the Pauls, the Sauls at the time that you've met? that might be, that the Holy Spirit might be calling to the fore. Well, like you said, we'll get there in a minute. Yeah, so let's play that out to the worst, right? So what if Barnabas is not attentive to the voice of the Holy Spirit? Mm. What if Barnabas does not act on this? What if Barnabas does not go to Tarsus to look for Saul? Who knows what happens, right, in the church? But he's, he's not merely ushering in some bit player. It, it, to this point in the Acts of the Apostles, if you got to choose between Barnabas and Paul, the great man is Barnabas. Saul's had yeah. this little bit role and whatnot. Barnabas is a huge figure, but Barnabas is attentive and he responds to the inspiration of the spirit and he goes and finds this guy. And in a similar way, we want to just plant a seed in your minds right now, especially if you're a pastor, who is God bringing to my mind, perhaps in a very unexpected way? And is it perhaps something as similar as Barnabas and Saul? So, you know, Nick, you mentioned that the, the, the second point here we just want to lay out on the roadmap is our name, Acts 29. The reason why this is, you know, the, the, the idea behind our name is not to be cute. The idea behind our name is to make a point. The point is the same Holy Spirit who inspired these chapters that we just talked about who inspired Barnabas to go look for Saul, to bring him to Antioch, and then the history of the world has changed. That spirit is writing this chapter right now, and he's writing it in your life and in my life. And we should expect that even as he was animating them and inspiring them, he'll do the same thing within us. Yeah, and that, I mean, that, and, that, and a great example of this is actually how we came to existence, Acts 29. Brother John, I mean, that, that story, and you tell it the best, so you should tell it here, is like the, <laughs> the narrative of how God brought Acts 29 to be what it is just right now is, is, is responding, being attentive to what's the Holy Spirit saying, what's he doing, and sometimes seemingly um, irrelevant or innocuous moments or events turn into be huge trajectory shifters, right? I mean, that's, our, that's kind of our story. Yeah, so in general, I can remember, so uh, we used to do auction dinners uh, at the parish where I was blessed to be able to serve as pastor. And um, I remember, Mary, you were at one of them. And I remember you and I were standing in the kitchen with some other folks. And I, I looked at you at one point in the middle of this dinner. And I says, because I knew I was going to be leaving the parish. And I says, I have an idea. I'm just going to gather some people together. And we're going to go up north and we're going to spend up north. That's what we call going up to the upper part of the lower peninsula in Michigan. We're going to, we're going to go spend like three, four days. And I just want to pray together. Remember? And I said, I want to pray about, has God just brought us into each other's lives for friendship? And if that's the case, great. Awesome. Or has God brought us into each other's lives to, to do is, something more? Yeah. Has to do ministry God, together. Yeah, right? is, is God inviting us to something else? So we, we came up with a list of people, um, you know, you, Deacon Steve, uh, who wasn't able to go on the, uh, the trip. I think he had a golf outing of all things, for crying out loud. Um, can you imagine that? Someone taking <laughs> golf that seriously. Um, 
gosh. He's going to love hearing that. <laughs> so, so I told you, know, I'm, I'm talking to Steve. It's the better part. <laughs> it's like a Saturday afternoon. I can remember where I was at the time. I'm walking down the hallway at Our Lady Good Council. I'm walking into the sacristy. So these are like the details, right? The seemingly insignificant moment. And as I'm walking down to open up the church or open up the, uh, you know, the, the cabinets and whatnot to set up for mass, Mitchell reaches out to me and goes, hey, um, you know, I can't go on this weekend, but you should invite uh, Jorgensen. And I said, Jorgensen? I mean, so, I mean, Nick and I have become tremendous friends. I think at this time, you know, when Steve reached out to me, you and I had met each other half a dozen times. Yeah. Maybe. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I said, huh. Why do you think that? And he told me, I said, sure, I'll reach out to him. So it's a Saturday afternoon. I sent you a text. Tell him what happened. Yeah, actually, so you, you just called me. You didn't send me a text. I called yeah. you, I guess. Okay, yeah. So, so Father John calls me. So it's not normal to get a call from Father John on my phone. I'm on a little vacation. <laughs> I'm away. And first of all, my family can attest, I don't respond. I'm on vacation. So I'm getting a call. I'm sitting with my wife. I go, Father John's calling me. She goes, you better take it. So I take the phone call, step outside. You invite me on this retreat. And which is like the next week. Which is the next weekend. And there's no way, I mean, in, in our little family life, there's just no way the next weekend's free. That's just so rare, as, as, any, as any of their family can attest to, uh, any pastor, right? So weekend's free. We say yes. Next thing I know, I find myself in a, packed in your, in your Jeep heading up north a week later. And I mean, the rest, the rest is history. And, at and, the end, right? and I had never had a serious conversation with you. No. Mary, you're in the car. Nick's in the car. Um, I'm in the car. Uh, a couple other friends are in the car. And somebody... You know, we prayed and then somebody posed a question to Nick. It's like, so Nick, tell us about yourself. And Nick went deep in like 10 seconds. And by the time he got done, I think we all looked at each other and went, hmm, I think I know why you're here. And then it just became what it's become, right? I mean, just classic example of being attentive to the details. Mm -hmm. Mitchell was attentive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. He called me. I called you. You said yes. Here you are. We're in Acts 29. Right? Right. Again, seemingly in, innocuous events or whatever, phone call, this thing, this thought, and it turns into um, the, Lord, the Lord wanted me to be a part of this team, of this family, Acts 29. Yeah, so, you know, maybe just a second example from a secular perspective. So, you know, as I was thinking about this, this reality, another inspiration came to mind or another uh, watching an inspiration uh, happen came to mind. So I remember being with my father in the car um, in Mexico when uh, the news came across that Henry Ford had fired Lee Iacocca. So my dad, for those of you who don't know, my dad was uh, CEO of Chrysler at a time when Chrysler was in real trouble. So he was the one who was responsible for um, trying to secure the loan. And it became abundantly clear as he was trying to secure the loan from a couple of people in Washington with whom he was negotiating back and forth every day, that uh, the government, the Carter administration had made it known to my father that if there wasn't, I think the way they put it in the euphemism, tr uh, transformation in leadership, they wouldn't give the loan. And so my dad said to this congressman who was talking to him about this, wait a minute, are you, are you trying to tell me that if I'm still the CEO, we're not gonna get the money? And the guy said, yes. And my dad said, well, fine, then I'll just resign right now. And so my dad did. My dad was able to do that because 
he had been attentive to the Holy Spirit. I remember being in the car when he hits the news that Ford had been that fire, Ford had fired Iacocca, and he says, "I have to get that man to take my place." Wow. Now, <laughs> my dad and Lee Iacocca are about as polar opposite as you can be. My dad was the most um, unassuming, um, down to earth, uh, running from the limelight person you can imagine. And Iacocca was like, hey, if you can find a better car, buy it, right? And, and he, that was exactly the kind of guy that Chrysler needed. So my dad knew enough, like, we have to get a man like that because the key thing is not that I have a job. The key thing is that Chrysler survives so that the people who work for Chrysler have jobs. And so my dad just drifted off into Never Neverland, never got a watch, never got a card, didn't get a farewell party, didn't get a golden parachute, didn't get a thing. He just got this, the, the peace of mind that comes from knowing I did the right thing. Mm because courage is the willingness to fall in battle. So just another anecdote of being attentive to the voice of the Holy Spirit to go after people or perhaps to be responding to inspirations that are coming to mind about people that might seem absurd, whether it's me going, why would I call Nick Jorgensen? Or my dad going, why would I call Lee Iacocca? So pastors, be attentive to who God might be bringing to the fore right now in this time when um, we're looking for ideas, creativity, innovation, all sorts of stuff, right? Does that make sense to you guys? Yeah, absolutely. And it just highlights just, just how rare that kind of leadership is and how attentive we need to be because the, the spirit knows what he's about. Like I can't fathom Max 29 without Nick's leadership. And your dad, Father John, was just a rare man. And uh, these are both examples of men who have uh, no ego, but just want what is for the good of, whether it's the church or a car company or whatever. Yeah, so, I mean, Nick mentioned we want to talk about, uh, how did you describe this? It's always about people. And that starts with the pastor. Yeah, so guys, as, as brothers, as we're... As we're living through these times, navigating these times right now, um, we want to encourage you in a special way to, to be particularly prayerful, particularly prayerful, like to ask the Lord, Lord, bring to my mind people who have maybe surprisingly stepped up, called, texted, emailed, saying, Father, what can I do? How can I help you? Maybe they're not the usual suspects. Maybe they're people who in the past have made you nervous. <laughs> maybe like Saul probably made Barnabas nervous. Um, so we got to be prayerful, but prayerful to ask the Holy Spirit, give me ears to hear and put people into my mind. A second thing I think that we, we got to try to strive to be uh, at this time is I have to be very secure. I mean, no, let's be real. We're all insecure. I'm insecure as I'll get out. But we kind of try to, we have to be secure enough to go after people who may overshadow us. Most people don't know Barnabas's name. Most people don't know my dad's name. But without my dad, there's no Iacocca at Chrysler. Without Barnabas, 
There's no Paul doing missionary work. So we have to be secure enough to go, okay, who do you want to bring into my life? If I'm not secure enough to go, you know what? I think Nick's got more ideas than I do, but I need Nick. Then Nick wouldn't be here. We wouldn't have him. And I can't fathom, like Mary said, Acts 29, without you, brother. So I got to be secure enough in my own identity as a beloved son of the father with my own unique gifting and the task that he's entrusted to me to lead at this time. I got to have, I got to fight against any ego, right? I got to fight against any desire to want people to be like applauding me in this time or to looking back and going, um, man, you just did an awesome job there. And so shunning anything that might want the credit. All we want to be is attentive enough to finding the people to help me do what it is we need to do, right? Exactly. And I, and I you know, with this whole no ego thing, which is so important, you have to have self-knowledge, right? Part of having, having no ego is realizing uh, our inadequacy apart from God to do anything. But in addition to that, even just like, you know, we, we talk about personality profiling, those kinds of things that are helpful so we can know where we're strong and good or strong and where we're weak, if you will. Um, I think it's St. Gregory the Great. I'm pretty certain it's him who said, who said the, the greatest obstacle to ministry is the lack of self-knowledge. Mm-hmm. And so, so just to like hang in there, you know, self-knowledge, get the ego out of here. Otherwise, we're not going to be able to, to ever rejoice in seeing someone else flourish in their gifts or in their unique role that God's calling them to. Be it bigger or smaller than us, who cares? What's right. relevant is God's work getting done. So that's a little bit about who, who we need to be as pastors. What, what, about, what can we say about the kinds of people that we're looking for to surface in these times? Who are we looking for? I would think, you know, we talk about, I think we've talked about this on podcasts before, but I think we're looking for folks who have an instinct for the apostolic, you know, who recognize the times in which we, you know, we live. Um, and, and we can, we can flesh that out a little bit too. I think, I think people with an apostolic mindset are those who, much like yourself, Father John, who thrive in times like this you know, where, where there's a certain sense of ambiguity and uncertainty and who have great energy and, and bring to the table the mind of an innovator, um, entrepreneurs, if you will, who love to think outside the box and who are rich with bringing ideas uh, to the fore. Um, and again, like you said earlier, this, this may not be the, the people that you normally have in mind. Mm-hmm. These might be pe- people that kind of sit towards the back but they might have started to step up in these days because they're because their hearts are made for days like this. Does that make sense? Mm, yeah, totally. And again, it, it might be somebody like Barnabas and Saul who hadn't seen each other in a long time. So to be sure, you may have these people already in your closest, most intimate, you know, circle, whether it's a leadership team or whatever you might call it, or they may not be. And they may be people who are a little edgy who are, they don't fit into a nice box. They don't play well in the <laughs> sandbox all the time, right? Because what, 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 what do you get? You get people, times like these are times when people, like me anyway, who have a lot of energy and a lot of creativity, we love. But we drive other people nuts because we love all these times. So I hate status quo. Yeah, you, you, you are a risk taker. <laughs> 
well, that's got <laughs> right? some good things and some bad things. No, but, <laughs> but this time is right for people who are willing to step out and take some risks. Yeah, and that's not to say like people who aren't are, are not as nope. good or that I'm better. No, 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 because I- Not by any you, means. You, you need people who are willing to do things in times like this, and you need other people to, to like pull me back to the, to the ground, okay. right? But, but we need, as you mentioned, Mira, like go find people who just thrive when you have to be creative, when you can't just fall back on status quo, because there's no status quo to fall back on right now, right? The Archbishop right. in Detroit here just sent us out an email saying uh, to the whole archdiocese, like, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know when we're going to be able to go back to church, but we do know these things are probably going to be in place. When we go back to church, we're going to be wearing masks. And we're probably not going to be in big groups. So he's just setting the stage right now for what it's going to look like in this quote unquote new normal. And so I have to have people around me, if I'm a pastor, who are able to go, okay, this is not a time for this is how we've always done it. This is a time for we've never been in a situation like this. How are we going to handle this? And there's some concrete things that we can do, right? I mean, there's, there's a couple of things I think that we came up with that, areas that we want to encourage pastors to try to find uh, solid, creative, innovative, uh, entrepreneur-like people to yeah. sit down with them, right? Yeah, I mean, we so so for sure, at least uh, two places that come to mind immediately is is in the tech space, the digital space, right? I mean, we, we've joked in the past how it's not hard to, for example, record a homily back in quote normal time, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, get, get a, get a teenager and they'll record it and they'll post it for you. But now it's no, no, no. We got to ramp that up even more now. Now with the, the, the potential long-term social distancing, the, 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 the lack of ability to gather in large groups. Um, I mean, all these things, it, it becomes easy to forget people when you're not seeing people. So to have, um, someone in a digital sort of asset media type position who can really help to think creatively and innovatively about how to do ministry, how to communicate and how to, how to uh, not just function well, but to, to make strides in uh, the digital world is going to be essential, you know? So that's just one space. Yeah. Let me interrupt real quick. Cause so, so we're going to talk, I actually got a second podcast where we're going to talk about what to do, like some things we can do. But as I'm listening to you, Nick, so the, the key right now is find those creative, innovative, thriving and ambiguity people, get together, uh, whether it's through Zoom or whatnot, pray together about, hey, we don't have anything in place tech-wise. Help me come up with some ideas. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about hiring the person yet. Help me to come up with some ideas because we're going to be live streaming a lot for a long time. Mm. So just expecting that. Mary, your heart in a particular ways in another direction, I know. Yeah, you know, um, we just had a conversation with a, another pastor, and, and this came up in our conversation um, in, in, uh, with, with him as well. And, and that's, um, you know, we, we, many of us who have a heart for evangelization and discipleship and kind of like moving outside the parish walls have long said, how do we get all of us into pews that gather regularly? outside the church walls mm -hmm. to do the work of ministry. And on my heart right now is just that role of Christian service, mm -hmm. right? Um, um, what are we doing? What can we do right now in the community to meet the needs, whether it's the sick, the elderly, um, the infirm, 
um, we have an opportunity before us that is ripe um, to put our hands to the plow and to help serve our brothers and sisters most in need. Those that are in our parish that we know about and those that we don't know about as well. Um, we've been sent on mission in a unique way because we can't meet. So um, again, we're going to talk about this in another podcast, but just what it is we can do to meet the needs of our brothers and sisters and to find out from people who have been out, we've been out of parish life for six weeks now, what are you doing? Like we want to hear from you. Let's get some of those great ideas together and talk about how we can come together and um, how we can be on mission. Yeah. So again, it's not about what we're going to do yet. It's just about getting, getting together those. with these people who fit into this innovative, creative category who can help you as pastor think about what are we going to do? Why, why is this so important? Because there's no way any one guy has all the ideas or all the answers. It's not possible. And so right now it's just about surrounding myself with these kinds of people who can help me come up with the ideas. Then we'll talk next time about what it is we can do with those ideas, how we can make some of those things happen. Huh? There's a couple of really practical books, Nick, right, that people can read to help. Yeah. Do this. Who, like who am I looking for? What should I be as a pastor? Absolutely. So there's, there's two books. We love Pat Lencioni here, Acts 29. And he has two books that just fit really well with this whole thing. Like it's, it's all about people. It's always about people, right? So um, the ideal team player is one of his books where he talks about three essential virtues of people who are phenomenal team players, right? Humble, hungry, and smart. We won't go into all that right now, but that is, it's, Father John, you say it's a, it's a, it's a one-day read, right? I mean, it's, it's worth picking up and, and digesting in this time of hopefully a little downtime, right? And then the second one is The Motive. This is his newest book on leadership, where he talks about the concept of reward-centered leadership versus responsibility-centered leadership, leadership and how we all want to be moving more and more to be uh, reward, re responsibility-centered leaders. You almost said reward. You want the I reward, did. don't you? You want I the do. I just love rewards. <laughs> I know, that's I know why, you, man. I'm on to you. It's the, it's the golf I'm, I'm on to you. Don't worry about it. So, you know, let me just close with this then. I mean, this, so you mentioned the, the, the last part of this roadmap that we want to try to lay out for people is our, the name of our podcast, right? You were born for this. So here's the trouble with, with a line like this. This is one of those extraordinary, at least in our case, extraordinarily inspiring quotes from St. Joan of Arc. I'm not afraid. God is with me. I was born for this. So I mean, I remember the first time I ever came across that, it just almost moved me to tears. Mm. I, I, felt like, I felt like a steel rod was being placed into my vertebrae and I was able to just stand upright. Mm. Like, yes, I think that's true. Like, I believe that, not just about Joan of Arc, I believe that about me. And we want to impart that to everybody that we talk to, that you were born for this. Here's the problem. We end every podcast with this little triad. Don't be afraid. God is with you. You were born for this. And it can become trite and almost cute, but it's not trite and it's not cute. Like it really is true that God created you to be alive in the middle of a pandemic. And he entrusted to you the responsibility of leading a parish in this time. You were born for this moment. And the step right now 
that we just want to encourage our brother priests to, to really respond to is just to prayerfully identify who are the people God wants to surround me with in this age for which I was born so as to accomplish the mission that he has for me, mindful of the fact that this is not a time for long-term planning. This is, as a friend of ours says, the age we're living in right now, this is like building a house in a gale wind. Like things are flying around like crazy. Headlines are changing by the hour. We have no idea what to expect. But that's okay, because God's not anxious. And because he's not anxious, I don't have to be anxious. And I want to surround myself with people who aren't anxious, who trust the Lord, who also believe they were born for this, and who I know can help me as a pastor with ideas, edification, encouragement, inspiration, to be able to think about, okay, how are we going to navigate parish ministry as we slowly begin to open up the country and our churches mindful that we're not going back to normal. So, brothers, do not be afraid. God is with you, and you were born for this. Mm-hmm.